This episode is going to be brought to you by Racer Root Fitness. Uh, this is Racer Root Radio you're listening to, but we got a fitness brand on our other side. That's kind of what this is all about. Racer Root Fitness has a lot of options for anybody, whether you're starting out or whether you're seasoned. We have options that are similar to what you would call CrossFit or functional fitness. We have options that are just your standard, uh, more like bodybuilding. We have strength building. Uh, we have personal training. We have programs you can just follow along. So if you want more information on that, catch us on Facebook, Instagram, or catch our uh, website, racerufitness.com. Hey, this is Racer Radio, now on YouTube. You can see our floating heads because we haven't figured quite figured out this logo thing. Um, so, and uh, and my computer is a little raised, so you know you can just see basically the top of my head. And if you're looking at it right now, there's Zach again, because <laughs> homeboy did not want to go to sleep again, so he's hanging out with us tonight. <laughs> when you have him like held away from the screen, he looks like a gray blob. I know. <laughs> It's there, and he's got those big eyes, so he you see everything in there. So, hey everybody, this is Razor Roo Radio again. I'm Ryan, and that's Jordan, bringing you our take on fitness and uh, racing, be it dirt, NASCAR, or Formula One. So we got plenty to get into today. Hope everyone's had a good week. Um, wanted to uh, to share my non what we usually talk about experience. Um, so we'll get into that. But first of all, Jordan, how you doing this week? Uh, you know, it's been a up and down week, you know, with uh, I'm sure you've heard as Pap was having some issues, but he seems to be turning for the better. So that's always good to, you know, have um, last weekend. I, I don't think I mentioned this, but we did a top golf. That was pretty interesting. Um, if you never did it, you got to try it. It's pretty fun. I'll do. We, we I used to do that every time we went out to Arizona. Um, when we went to Phoenix because they had one out there, it was a lot of fun. I uh, have been wanting to go. Actually, I've gone to the one on the other side of Charlotte, but they built a new one on uh, closer to where I work, and I'd really like to go. I actually want to take Dad sometime that he's down here. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But uh, other than that, um, after this weekend, it's Outlaw Week up here in Central PA, so nice. we're going to prepare for the Outlaws to come in. Uh, so look, really looking forward to that, but this weekend kind of looks like a total washout. Oh, that's always fun. <clears throat> well, speaking of washouts, we're going to talk about that in Dover as well. Um, but first we're going to, um, I'm, I'm going back, I'm going back a couple weeks because, uh, I, f- I feel like I didn't do the, the influencer Instagram, uh, bashing, I guess, if you will enough, um, I felt like I, I kind of hit on my point, but I felt like I wanted to give a, a few more examples of what I'm talking about, just because I want to give you an idea of what I mean by the disinformation that's being shared. <laughs> so, um, Jordan, you got your popcorn ready? Because we're about to get into this one. Hold on, let me go pop a bag. <laughs> you know, you know, last week uh, or two weeks ago, I really uh, got very animated about this because I get very frustrated with it because I, I hate I do my best to, to be very, um, as I know and share that I don't know everything. I'm telling you things as I understand it, which is not, you know, completely comprehensive. And I admit that. Um, but I try to at least give people ideas that can they can apply and and run with them in the best way that they can. But you get on Instagram and you see some of these reels. So I'm going to give you an example of one. And we'll start with a nutrition one. So you'll see these people and they'll say full day of eating. This is my full day of eating. And then they, you know, list it, list off all the things that they quote unquote ate that day. This is all they had. And it's typically it's, you know, high protein things, very healthy, uh, just this ideal model. And so you see that and the message you're supposed to see is like, well, this is what I eat in a day. This is how many calories. This is what you should do too. Y'all know my feeling on nutrition. It's so nuanced. It's so individualized. I don't touch it very much. Um, things I t- touch on with it are very, very generalized because of that. And I am very cautious. I tell you out loud how cautious I am when I talk about it. So 
and this is the reason because uh you see this and it's like okay well this is my full day of eating well this is you 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 person who are not telling us what you did for workouts that day this is you know what did you have the day before what did you have the day after you tell us what you ate in a day but you didn't tell us what you drank in a day um so and there's a lot of a lot of it's basically what you're looking at when you see things like that and you know we'll yeah i can give you more examples what you see is you're looking at a painting but you're only seeing a one by one inch or one inch by one inch of a three foot by three foot picture so you see this you know and you see this this is what they ate today but it doesn't take into consideration what they ate for the week is this what you eat every single day or do you change up what you eat every single day do you eat this many calories every single day or are you a little bit more intuitive about it um, and just try to hit your hit close to that do you um, kind of cycle your calories so one day you might be a little higher one day you might be a little lower. You target a little lower on days that you don't work out. You target a little higher than days that you do. Um, and so this is this is kind of it's not even misinformation. A lot of time with these that kind of frustrate me is that you're telling a very very you're tell you're basically reading a Harry Potter book, but you're only reading the first three pages. You think of think of it in terms like that. Or if you want to go with Game of Thrones and you're only reading the first five to ten pages. That's what it is. You know, what you get is the real thing, but it's such a very small snapshot of the big, bigger picture. So that's why I don't like those kind of nutrition ones. Um, another nutrition one that um, I wasn't very fond of is this dude that, uh, and again, you, you know my feeling if you listened a couple weeks ago, um, when a guy is exclusively shirtless to show off all his muscles while he's giving out whatever information <laughs> I'm very suspect of this of them um, for a multitude of reasons. But um, this guy says basically, oh, here's a fat loss tip. If you want to lose fat um, to eat it, like some kind of like baking salt kind of thing, um, like chicken stock salt, put some of this in your mouth, on your lips. Um, don't swallow it, spit it back out. And this is going to curb your cravings because it's going to fill your mouth with flavor, but there's no calories involved. There's no actual, like you're not really eating anything. So it's sure. going to give you, it's going to make you feel fuller. Sure. Okay. Well, and, and to, to some effect that might be true. So we'll like, drink in a bottle of water. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's kind of the same thing. Now you get more flavor out of this, the eating this salty, whatever it is, but now you're not telling me it's kind of on the other side of the other example. You're not telling me what you did eat for calories that day. You're not telling me you know, what you had for your proteins, what you had for your carbs, what you had for your fats, you're not telling me anything else. You're just basically, you're saying, Hey, this is a way to lose fat. But really all you're doing is, is kind of providing some satiety that you otherwise didn't have, which it's not saying it's a bad strategy. I mean, it, it could be one of those things like, yeah, possibly that could, that could help you, but you're also not telling me what you did eat because if you still overate, you still overate bottom line, even if you curb some cravings before bed or whatever, or if you grossly underate because you did this, now you're on a whole nother spectrum. And if you're trying to build muscle as compared to lose fat, now, now we're just way off the mark. Right. That's what I was just going to say. If you're trying to build muscle, you sitting there saying you're not putting any calories in your body or not letting us know that part, that's unrealistic. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing, again, it's, it's not always just information. I think I've, I've hit on pretty hard a couple weeks ago, how it can be very, very uh, exaggerated information or just plain wrong, but this is where it can be like, well, there's truth, but it's really not. And if you're somebody who's not really understanding what you're seeing, it can be really detrimental to, you know, somebody sees like, oh, you eat this, this chicken stock salt stuff. And it's going to curb your cravings and you're, you're going to lose fat. Well, now they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to have a cup of this a day because this is what this guy told me. And so, you know, not, no, he did not tell you that, but that's how you can perceive it. And so this is what your strategy is to lose weight. And it's not a good one, by the way. So um, that's the problem I have with ones like that. Do you look, Jordan, you look like you got something you want to pitch in there. Well, I was going to say, there's like one of those on TikTok or Facebook or something like that. 
that like it's coffee something and something and it shows like people who are like 500 pounds and then it shows them like 150 pounds and it's like if you drink one of these a day it'll just burn all your fat and then like i see doctors like on the same thing don't know if they're actual doctors or not or if they're just dressed up as one but they're like oh yeah that actually works well (laughs) so, so the way those those kind of products work any of those like fat loss quote unquote things none of them burn fat not really there is i mean technically speaking in certain ways yeah they can potentially boost a little bit of metabolism maybe but they don't burn fat in that way that that they're advertised as what they do is you you can take these products and you can potentially put yourself in a calorie deficit which yes you know then you should in theory lose weight if you're in a calorie deficit however you know we've covered this many times you know if you're way under calories there's a potential you could be or you know you're doing the thing of excess cardio versus you know doing things to preserve muscle you could be losing as much as 50% of muscle in addition to the fat you're losing so yeah you could lose weight but you just become a smaller version of yourself you don't get cut so it's you know those those kind of products it's it's not that they don't work it's that they don't work as they're mostly advertised it can work but yeah, it comes time, down to cutting calories the last time i checked i was talking to a girl who was a personal trainer up here and um it was when i was really going to the gym and like i would see her at the gym a lot of times as a personal trainer and out of curiosity you know i told her i was trying to lose weight so i was only allowing myself so many calories and she goes oh that's funny she's like i'm doubling your amount of calories and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. She goes, yeah, I'm doubling your calories. She goes, that's how you build muscle. And I was like, now, obviously, she's not going to McDonald's and getting five Whoppers a day or, you know, Big Macs a day. But she's putting the right kind of calories in her body for that to happen. Yeah. And it honestly mind blew me because I didn't understand that at the time. I was like, you don't want to put so many calories in your body. Like, you know, you try and work out to burn that off. But here, you know, someone who's kind of bodybuilding and or toning or maintaining is eating double the calories I am. Now, obviously, I was doing a weight loss thing, but it just goes to show you that nutrition, like you're saying, is a is a funny animal, and yeah, that's and why we don't touch it like that. You, yeah, and you and you cannot you cannot give a better picture than than you know as what is needed in just like a twenty second Instagram reel. It's just you, you can't do it. There, there needs to be a much bigger conversation. There must, there needs to be a lot of questions for individualization. I love you sliding back in the, into the car there, bud. Does it look like I'm driving? It does. You got a big <laughs> old head though. Um, so another couple of ones like uh, that are really popular now you see, and, and um, these are another ones that I'm kind of just like, you're just, all you're doing is you're just trying to get people to look at you, which I guess if you're trying to sell a product, that makes sense. But those people just take pictures of themselves working out, take videos of themselves, and then they'll put something over top of it. And so it'll say like, oh, you know, if you're, you're trying to build your back muscles, do X, Y, and Z. You just, you need to be in a calorie surplus. You need to do compound lifts. You need to focus on um, multiple angles um, and, and lift, you know, lift heavy. So it's like you give like five points for example, well, okay, that's, that's fine. But now, now we're missing the, the point of, yeah, we need to be in a calorie surplus, but we're also missing the point of, well, we need to be, you want to be eating healthier. <laughs> you don't want to just be in a calorie surplus. Like you're missing the mar- mark with that. Um, yes, you need to be lifting heavy, but you also need to be making sure that you're following phases and not just doing the same thing over and over and over because your body's going to adapt. But it's, again, it goes back down to you just can't put that much information like this. So when they put these five bulletin points and then follow me to get shredded. So, which is funny. You're like, hey, to build strength or to, or to build muscle, do this. And then at the end, it's follow me to get shredded. Well, those are to- two totally different things. Getting shredded is a cut. <laughs> to put on muscle is bulking. Yeah. So it's like your information's already off the mark to begin with. So um, those are just a couple examples. Um, and my favorite is the, the, the booty ones because they're everywhere. Grow they're your everywhere. 
we tell you, you grow your peach. <clears throat> Here, best exercises to grow your peach. Do uh, 40 seconds worth of curtsy squats with a uh, negative two pound dumbbell. And then to put the band around your legs and sit up in a glute bridge and uh, fan your legs out. That's going to build your side butt. <laughs> and you see, these are my favorite. You know, I hit on them last time. But it's like that, those, not only are those not great ways to build your butt, those are not even great ways to lean out. You know, it's a, all of these, uh, there's a lot of isolation moves you see in very low weight, high repetition kind of moves, which you're venturing into cardio, which is not great for muscle building. Um, getting into that cardio kind of area where it's, you're doing a move for more than a minute, minute 30, you know, you, now you're into that cardio state, which is again, your body's kind of going like, well, we don't need all this muscle. We need to be more efficient. Um, so it's, it's tons of misinformation like that. And I could go on and list more and more. I think your boys that you shared with me, the, uh, that curl finisher, <laughs> the 45 pound bar curl one time, hand it off, hand it back, do two, hand yeah. it off, hand it back, do three, all the way up to 10, which I did by the way, got it. Um, and that guy is twice my size. So I wasn't all that impressed, but, um, I saw him do one that's like, do this as a chest finisher on your, on your next chest day. And basically he had all these dumbbells stacked around in basically like two number eights. So like in the front, there was two um, where the, the bell sides were, you know, um, perpendicular to him. Then there was two on the side that are, the, the handles are parallel with him. Um, then another one paralleled this underneath, like basically making an eight shape on both sides of him so it's like he was he did grab the handles of the one that's out in mostly in front of him does five push-ups on that and then moves to the ones that are to out to the side a little bit does five push-ups on that then in the center does five push-ups and then out to the side again five push-ups and then in the back five push-ups <clears throat> this is a great chest finisher well, in what context are you trying to build muscle are you trying to lean out are you trying to work for endurance like what kind of finisher are we talking about what exactly are you trying to accomplish with this so that's again it it kind of makes sense because how limited of time you can't fill in a lot of information in, in that kind of media but that's why i kind of question a lot of these because it's like you're giving me information that's not necessarily wrong but it's not given context and it's incomplete information for you know, the, the person who may or may not be thinking that they're targeted to this. So that's, that's a couple of more real examples of, of the things that I'm seeing that I want you to kind of see this and see them and then question them. Does this actually make sense for the thing that I'm doing or for the thing that I see somebody else doing? How is this supposed to work for my goals? Does it fit my goals? Does it not fit my goals? What else am I missing off of this? So that's my point with those. And I would say a person who doesn't go to the gym and sees one of these people doing that and they think that's all they got to do and they try and do it and then it yeah. doesn't, they get very discouraged when they're not getting the results that they're like, this guy's super stacked or this girl's got a giant yeah. butt and I'm doing the same thing, but it's not working. Well, and, and you see, you see a finisher like that after, you know, what kind of workout did he do before that? How much volume did he do before that till he got to that point? One a person could do this workout in, in by themselves, just this finisher, and it might totally crush them and their body does not respond just because right. they're not at that level or, or it much less likely because this guy's obviously very, he does something right. He's extremely, extremely jacked, but does, you know, there could be the other end of the spectrum where someone does this and is like, this doesn't do anything for me. I need more than this. So it's all in context. And, and like I said, a lot of it, now it's getting kind of better in some ways where there's a lot of information that it's like, it, it's a snapshot of some truth, but there's a lot of mist, not misdirection, but it's incomplete knowledge to what, what the full story is. Right. So um, that's my, my part two on influencers. So I'm going to turn it over to Jordan for the dirt news. All right. Well, 
this weekend it's going to be probably washout news um because we're supposed to get two inches of rain in the next two days so we'll see what happens um i doubt lincoln or port or williams grove will run but um that didn't keep us from running last week so we will start at lincoln speedway and danny dietrich picked up his fourth win of the year um at the track he's the point leader and I think he could probably take the rest of the season off at Lincoln and he'd probably win. That's how big of a lead he has. Um, but it's still early. Who knows? Somebody else could get on a run. Um, there was kind of an issue there. One of the push truck drivers had a medical emergency, ended up running into the back of a 358. So that was scary. Um, I haven't had an update on the push truck drivers, um, you know, whether he was okay or not. I heard he was alert leaving the track, but um, the 358 was able to make repairs and, uh, you know, end up running his heat and stuff like that for the night. So it was good to see that. Um, in a different side of news for this week at Lincoln, if they do run, which hopefully they do, but if they do, um, and you might remember back in Chili Bowl for this name, um, but her name is Kaylee Bryson, and she is going to come up here and jump in the car right here. That's my background. She's going to jump in the 21 car and she's going to run it at Lincoln Speedway for the Outlaw Tuna. Um, so I'm really hoping this race gets going because I want to see how she does in a 410. Um, she was the first woman ever to qualify for the Chili Bowl through her heat. Um, so it tells you she knows how to wheel a car. She's also a Toyota, um, like a one of the drivers that Toyota is like bringing up through the ranks. She's one of those oh, yeah, drivers. The development program. Yeah, that's it. I don't know why I was trying to tell someone that earlier and I couldn't remember how to say it. And that's the second time today. So um, <laughs> anyway, it would be cool to see her run at Lincoln um, if we get to run it. But last week at Port Royal, Anthony Macri wasn't there. So I'll give you a random guess at who won because they've been winning back and forth. So you got any ideas? No. Logan Wagner. Oh, I, I keep hearing the Macri one. I, I kept hearing that again and again and again. That's the one I would have guessed. Yeah, no. Well, Macri was down in Bristol. So, um, oh, okay. Yeah. So Logan Wagner ended up picking up the win at uh, Port Royal. Um, so, you know, when Macri's not there, Logan Wagner wins. And, you know, sometimes when they're both there, they go back and forth. Uh, Williams Grove on Friday night, the daredevil Devin Borden and the Hefner 27. He got his first win this year. It's cool to see that the kids out of Washington came over in his own car. Um, he actually came over with USACs and was running USACs and put in a 410 last year in his own car, ran well enough, and he got the Hefner car ride. So he's in that this year. Um, and he finally got his first win. It was like one of those things the first part of the year, he kept pulling terrible pill draws and starting near the back and sometimes for these day races it's hard to make moves and make passes um not like dover race this weekend but we'll get into that then um so we will jump to the all-star circuit of champions because i remember saying last week i think they were at sharon and boy was i right um but <laughs> that was the second night the first night they were at Lernerville. didn't know that one um but Hunter Schoenberg picked up the win at Lernerville. That's a track in PA. It's out towards Pittsburgh, uh, very Western PA. But it's a really nice track, really fast, high banked. Uh, but they were out there, and like I said, Hunter Schoenberg won. Then they went to Sharon, which is in Ohio. That's the track that's owned by the Blaney's. And, man, Brent Marks was so close to getting a win. But, unfortunately, Cap Henry passed him with – probably like 10 feet to go to the start finish line and cap henry stole the win for the all-stars um at sharon speedway so brent marks the local pa favorite missed it by that much um but he's been on a roll too along with macri so we'll jump to bristol motor speedway which i mean who doesn't like sprint cars on bristol and like i said if you wanted to see how fast it was go on the world of outlaw facebook page and check them out they're ripping around there flying um, but this is kind of weird in a sort of way, but so there were two PA teams to win down in Bristol, um, both features, but they are on the outlaw tour. So Logan Shuhart for shark racing, he picked up the win on Friday and then Spencer Basin, he's in the, uh, CJB card. That's also out of 
um, Pennsylvania, and that ended up picking up the win as well. Um, well, that was on a Saturday. So both PA cars, but they run the full-time outlaw circuit. So uh, it's pretty cool to see PA cars going and winning on the outlaw tour. Um, the way it's looking this week, like I said, the outlaws, not this weekend, but next weekend, are going to be in PA this weekend. Outlaws already canceled. They were supposed to be at Eldora. Not happening. Mother Nature already said no. We're supposed to get two inches of rain, so I don't know if local racing is going to happen. And the All-Stars don't run until next week. So we might not get any racing in at all this week except for NASCAR. But um, other than that, I wanted to remind you guys that the Elijah Hawkins Memorial Race is coming up September 3rd, so please make sure you do not miss that. Um, we're, I know Jake's getting stuff prepared. Um, I'm planning on having him come on the show to tell you guys more about what he has in store, um, what his plans are for it. So hopefully we can get him on here very soon. And he also has a golf tournament. I think it's like two weeks after that. Also in Elijah's name. So, you know, if you come up here for the race, make it a couple, couple week vacation to stay for the golf tournament. Um, if you need any information on that, just let me know and I'll get you any information you need. But that's all I have for the dirt news this week. Oh, I did. It is kind of NASCAR related. Did you see? Kyle Larson's comments about the world of outlaw late models. No, I did not. So at Bristol, Kyle Larson was running double duty. He was running the, the sprint car and he was running the late model for the world of outlaws. And he was supposed to start up near the front for the world of outlaw late models. Now, mind you, when you're running double duty, you don't always have your cars parked right side by side. You got to get out on one and get in the other. So he was getting out of his 410, getting into his late model to run the feature. Well, he didn't make the call for the original start. Like, he was out for the original start of the race. But, like, when you start these dirt races, they want you on the track by a certain time. Well, he didn't make it out there by that certain time. So they bumped him all the way to the back, lost his starting spot. Um, he's the only person who was running double duty. He drove all the way up to finish eighth. He was on a rail. And his comments about the World of Outlaw late model series were pretty – aggressive um i was surprised for a guy who doesn't run the series um but he turned a lot of heads with what he said um it was very controversial pretty much he just said it was kind of crap that they had to send him to the back he's running double duty and nobody else was so he was very frustrated with that and then he came out in the sprint cars and i think he finished third or something like that so i didn't know if you saw that but just wanted to bring that up to you no, but apparently he just keeps being the center of controversy, even though last week it was directed at him and he wasn't the one doing it. Yeah. Hey, I know this is completely off topic, but do you have a meeting time remaining at the top of your screen? I do. We're going to have to uh, to stop this in just a minute and then re-up re to, uh, to do another section. Gotcha. So, yeah, I was aware of that. <laughs> I wasn't going to announce it. So, My surprise to everyone. Uh, anyway, before we do that, so um, before we get into the NASCAR side of stuff, uh, I did want to touch in with uh, just let you guys know about another racing thing. So I went down to the Fort Wide Nationals last week. Um, first time I ever went to the drag races. And uh, that was actually a really cool experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, one of the, the privileges that I have is, uh, and I don't mean to brag about it, but it's just I got I to gotta talk about it because I thought it was really cool the way they had this done. Um, obviously with working at Seward Haas Racing, um, I can, you know, we had a little deal set up with TSR so we could get into their hospitality. Their little hospitality is right between each hauler. And so basically their haulers are where they work on the cars. They just have these gigantic, hold on a second, Jordan. Okay. So basically um, the, they have the haulers and then they have an overhang and that's where the cars they work on the cars um so the hospitality is right between matt hagan and leah pruitt and so it's really cool you can go in there and you know they have food set up and you can sit there and just watch them work on the cars which um you know you're right there in front of the action so it's a really neat little deal that you don't see that in even nascar which they have a pretty accessible setup i feel like so drag racing is i think they do it right they have 
you know, everything's right there for the fans. Very fan friendly. So, and man, the first time I got to see the top fuel guys go, I went down onto the starting line. And when they took off, man, it, it, it rattles you. You come out of your body. It's, it was a really cool experience. So I suggest everyone go and uh, check that out. And welcome to part two. So uh, Zoom decides to be funny sometimes and uh, every now and then hit us with the 40 minute limit. Usually we don't have that issue. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I was talking about the NHRA. Um, and that was a really, I, I just thought it was a really cool experience. I, I suggest everyone try that. Anyone who's a race fan, go try and see it. Sometimes just the, the amount of horsepower that they create when they get off the line. You can see on my Facebook page, you can kind of get a good idea. You see Brittany Forrest there in the, the foreground and it's for, uh, for the top fuel cars as they take off. So I saw it, I just watched qualifying, uh, was there for Friday. Um, but TSR guys were really cool. Uh, the food was fantastic. It was cool to be up close to the cars and, and see what that's about and how they do things differently than we do. Um, uh, so just all in all really cool experience. I suggest it. And if you can go, go to a four wide, uh, I think they have it in Las Vegas and Charlotte. I'm not sure if they have it anywhere else, maybe Texas, but um, that was, that was a really neat experience and uh, cool to get exposure to a series that you're not used to. Um, so Jordan uh, Dover, another washout, kind of a bummer, wasn't it? It's kind of like Pocono whenever they race there, it rains. Yeah. Well, the benefit was that we didn't, we weren't there this time. So I didn't have to, <laughs> to make work accommodations and, and all that crap. So um, at least I didn't, didn't have to deal with that, but uh, you know, it's, it was unfortunate because it seemed like the crowd there was really, really fantastic, which, you know, Dover has been kind of apparently a question mark lately. Uh, SMI bought the property. So there were some questions as to whether Dover could be around in the future. Well, I mean, with the race that they put on, it's probably one of the better Dover races I've ever seen. So I hope they aren't planning on changing it much or anything like that. If they, they have any changes coming for it. Well, to, I mean, in my opinion, usually even when Dover races are considered not too fantastic, usually Dover ends up being one of the better races, I think, as compared to a lot of the other racetracks that we talk about here. So often um, I always use Kansas as my gold example, but um, yeah, Dover's, very unique it's it provides a different race than what we're accustomed to on the year um it just it looks different even if the racing isn't as good from time to time it's it just looks different it gives you a different feel than than seeing the cars go around the mile and a half that we're so accustomed to so i think just from that aspect it you know where else are you going to take cars <laughs> where, where else are you going to race um i don't know that smi has another racetrack that i would uh, you know, obviously I'm biased to Dover, but I don't see SMI having another track that they could go to that would produce just as good a racing. Um, unless you go to Nashville again uh, for a second race, which I guess is entirely possible or potentially a, a race we don't have on the schedule yet, potentially one of the road courses that they've been talking about or street courses. So I just, I don't see it, but I could see the value in Dover as far as land opportunities, because it is smack dab in the middle of a very busy area. So unfortunately that, that, that is riding on it, but I mean, we're, it's, it's got a casino right on property. Are you going to plow over the racetrack? Where are you going to build on there? I, I don't know what you can do with that. It's a, I can tell you, it's like a, a bigger Bristol though. I mean, they were hauling the mail around there. They were, and they, they, you know, they started on the bottom, but they did end up, you know, you did end up having multiple grooves. You could run, up higher not quite the harry gant groove but it didn't know, they, take that long though for the the groove to move up it right went up fairly quickly but that's you know something we were kind of missing over the last couple of years we were, were kind of didn't really have that upper lane unless you know the only way to, to get it in the past couple of years was to put the pj1 down or that epoxy stuff so uh it was kind of nice to see that aspect come back in and you know it's, it ends up being multiple grooves and you can you can pass people, you can pass the slower guys, you can run a different lane. Um, it's just dangerous coming off the corner because everything runs together, as you saw at the very end. Um, but, you know, you saw, you did see people spinning out on their own. You saw tire wear, big time tire wear. 
uh, they did that little uh, caption of Denny, and you could see how much, uh, how much you lost over the course of a run. Right. Um, so I guess the the big thing that we got to take away from this, Denny Hamlin had a very fast race car, but ran into bad luck everywhere he went. Um, now, what's interesting to me is that when we first went to this rule on the five lug nuts where, you know, you lose a tire, it's a suspension. I think the first place we had this was at Dover. It happened on Kyle Busch's car. Um, I, maybe it, no, maybe not Kyle Busch. It was not no, Kyle Busch. No, it, it wasn't Kyle Busch. No, that, no, that was at Atlanta. It I'm was at, I think it was actually one of Brad Keselowski's cars. It was on, one of Brad Keselowski's, it was one of Brad Keselowski's trucks. And then it was Kyle Busch in the cup race. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, to me, to have two two cars, I believe it was two cars this weekend had the same thing happen. Um, Dover is very unique animal on these cars. There's extreme amount of load because of how they kind of you dive in the corner and you like lift and then you slam down. You drop so off a cliff. Very, yeah, it's very very hard on the chassis. Um, I don't think that had a lot to do with it because Denny Hamlin's tire came off before he even got off pit road, but. Um, this is kind of something we've, we've seen now at Dover um, a couple times as compared to some other places, but this is becoming a problem. We've seen this pretty regularly this year. So what is your take on the problem and what is your take on the four race suspensions that we're seeing coming down from NASCAR? Well, it's like I told you before, I don't, I don't think the suspensions are, are great. I mean, you lose three guys for four weeks and like, I could understand it again if it was back to five lugs because, I mean, you can attest to this. A lot of times, sometimes, you know, four, four lugs would only be hit or three lugs would only be hit because it was faster. Now, the last stop, you always wanted to have five due to inspection purposes after the race. But, um, you know, now with the one lug, like, there's no way you're trying to leave a tire loose. So it's not like it's anywhere intentional to try and get faster. And it's definitely a safety issue. And I don't think these drivers want to have like the AJ Allmendinger situation where his tire came off under green is rolling around the track and they're all flying by it at 150 miles an hour. So I don't think that it deserves a four race suspension. Um, It actually would have been another tire too, but they uh, managed to get Christopher bells on tight enough to not fall off. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Apparently, from what I'm hearing, Denny Hamlin's carrier changer, he didn't even know the lug wasn't in the gun when he was hitting the tire. He didn't realize it until, you know, he went to pull the gun away. And when he pulled the gun away, he saw the lug nut wasn't there. They dropped the jack. Denny pulled away. He was even trying to wave him, like, hold on, the lug's not in there. But he had no idea until after the fact it was too late. So he couldn't even signal to them, like, hold on, the lug fell off or anything like that. Um and when you're doing these pit stops now, I mean, 13 seconds used to be fast. High 12 seconds used to be fast. Now they're doing them in nine with this single single lug. So, I mean, they're like we were talking about before, NASCAR's got to find a way to make sure that these guys can know when they're tight. Um, like I've seen that they can hit there, they can sit there and hold the gun on it, and it seems like it's tight. And before you know it, they're going out and the tire falls off. So. They, they, I think there's got to be a way that, you know, they can verify that the, the lug is tight before they let the car go. Um, if it was going to be a problem, you know, here and there, I, I mean, I, I still don't think four races is, like, I don't think it's, I think it's way too much. Um, but if it was going to be like one of those things where, you know, they could tell or something, then I understand the suspension. I mean, this has gone on for how many races now? How many races have has a tire come off under green? Or it's been a lot this year. It's been a right. lot, and it's been far more than when we had five lugs on. So, you know, this is something that NASCAR has definitely got to work on. And I know it's going to be obviously the longer we go in the season, it'll it might, it'll probably get better. And I'm sure they're looking into means to be able to help these guys. But I mean. Denny Hamlin's changer is, from what I'm understanding, one of the better changers around. And he didn't even know the lug wasn't there. So that just tells you, like, these guys are going really fast. They're trying to get their car out quick because 
nine seconds compared to 12 seconds. Now you're losing 15, 20 spots. If you're there for 12 seconds, you know, you, they can't, they can't afford to be losing time. So uh, I don't know. I think four, four race suspension is way too much. Cause now like, especially with these next four races, I think you got Darlington where you're doing, I don't know how many pit stops just due to the fact that tire wear is aggressive, you know, then I forget what you got after or the Coke 600s involved in this. So you're doing a lot of pit stops. The all-star race is included in this. Um, I mean, like Saturday, for instance, we seen a tire fall off of Sam Mayer's car that I understand a little bit more because there's five lug nuts and it shouldn't mm-hmm. happen. You know um, now here's the real question in that because it was on an Xfinity car, their cup guys, so are they suspended for the cup race or just Xfinity races? Um I don't know. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little more. But now that these guys probably aren't doing five lug nut stops, they're mainly doing just the single lug. You know, you see a mistake happen in the Xfinity series. Um, so I, I think with the single lug in the Cup series, I think if it happens, maybe miss a race, not four. It's far too, far too much because now mistakes are going to happen. Your crew chief's not there. You know, someone who's not supposed to be in the front tire changer, the rear tire changer spot, and the jackman spot. Now they're there, you know, and not saying that the next person up is not capable of doing it. It's just not the person that you expect to be there. Yeah. So, and the, the thing about it is, like, from from a, a crew member's perspective, you get suspended. You're, you know, you're not there. From a crew chief perspective, if if you get suspended like that, there's a good chance you're still at the track, maybe inside the track, maybe outside the track. Um, I've heard different teams doing it different ways. Maybe you're in the war room at the shop, but you're still there involved. You're still making calls. Um, so it's, it, it doesn't take away from it in that regard. Um, from, but from a crew perspective, yeah, you're going to have a tire changer that's not your normal tire changer. And the, I heard this and I just confirmed it. So NASCAR suspended the jackman and the tire changer. However, the tire changer, because of this new style of pit stop, the tire changer who was labeled the front tire changer was not the one who was on the front. It was the one on the rear. Um, it was uh, the guy's last name, Houston. He was the one who was suspended. But Hicks was the guy, and he is one of the better tire changers in NASCAR. He has been for a while. Um, he was the one who was on the front and had this was part of this issue. So um, to my knowledge, they haven't corrected this, but it is known. Um, so that <laughs> whether or not the suspension's good, uh, this is a bad look because you're suspending the wrong guy. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So I think NASCAR's got to come back and fix this. Um, now, like I said, it, for crew chief, it doesn't matter because the crew chief's still involved. So it doesn't change anything. But I, this has been a problem this year, and NASCAR's really got to get a grip on this. They've got to do something. Um you know, prior to this year, four races made sense. You can't have a wheel fall off, period. It doesn't matter. And now I know I, you got to be a little kind of lenient on this because that, that example I gave with uh, um, Brad Kozlowski's truck team where the tire came off, you could see the front tire changer sitting there. There's no tire on the car. He, he, there's nothing for him to change. There's nothing for, or there's nothing for him to tighten. He's just sitting there waiting for the tire to go on and the jackman just drops the car and it goes out. There was never a tire on it. Right. And so the tire changer got suspended for races, but it, he, he, that was clearly not his fault. You got to be a little bit more open on this where it's like, Hey, this is the rules, but you see that. And it's like, okay, this is extremely egregious. The tire changer had nothing to do with it, but we got to set an example. Like the, the jackman's clearly at fault. He never looked and checked this guy off. So he's got to be suspended. But it's got to be extreme he, because you can't have these tires falling off. And I'm going to cite an example. of If you watch Brian Vickers from like 2000, uh, maybe 2008, 2009, um, what he spun out because a tire came off his Red Bull car at Charlotte going through turns one and two. And he spun out and the tire bounced all the way. It hit the fence, came back down, and it ended up in the infield. It hit a camper in the infield. Right. If, if you catch a tire – like these guys in the pit stops when the carrier rolls the tire back to the wall 10 feet you know just a man pushing the tire if you kind of catch it wrong on the wrist it can hurt it can hurt your wrist this that's you know 
a tire moving at a couple miles an hour. We're talking about a car coming, a tire coming off a car at, you know, over hundred miles an hour and bouncing around. And even if it hit that camper going 15 miles an hour, that's still a lot of damage it can do with that tire. So it's, it's not safe. You know, all it would have taken was Denny Hamlin coming off the, the pit lane and a, another car coming and punting that car up into the stands. I mean, at Dover, that's going to be really hard, but not at a place like Martinsville, not at a place like uh, Loudon. You know, it, it's entirely possible for that tire to clear the fence and do a lot of damage. I don't think it would have been impossible. I mean, at, if you look at the angle where A.J. Allmendinger's tire was compared to where Austin Dillon was coming around, if he mm-hmm. hits that, that has a chance of going into the casino. Yeah, and we don't – and you, you cannot have that. That is that – is, you know, you can't have cars going into the stands. You can't have tires going into the stands. Um, NASCAR's done a pretty good job of, of making sure that doesn't happen. So we got to, we got to, we got to clamp down on it. I think for a race suspension, even if it's directed at the wrong guys, it's appropriate. You gotta, you gotta come down hard on this. This is a safety issue, not for the drivers and the crew. Well, the crew, yes, because that tire could get punted into the infield, but it's, you know, the, the fans, when you're, when you're a pit crew member, you assume all risks, even ones you don't expect you, you know, you don't sit on the wall with a foot in the stall because what happens if a car we saw it at Pocono with a Casey Kane that one year spun off of turn three and all the way down and hit the pit wall so hard he knocked helmets back over the the fence behind pit wall like you just don't know so you know as a pit member you you kind of assume that these things can happen, but as a fan, you're not expecting a tire to get punted up into the stands that you like that. So you can't have that. It needs to be a serious infraction. Um, maybe they need to change what it is, but it needs to be serious. It needs to be, I mean, loss no, of I, points, maybe I, like hundred point penalty for, for losing a tire like that or 50 points or something. It's gotta be big. I agree with you on that aspect. The only part that I don't agree with you on that aspect is the fact that the tire changers have said that they don't necessarily know when these are tight, you know, and I get no matter how long you sit there and hold the gun on it, it seems like it's tight. But if you put this, you know, if it hits the threads just slightly off and it's bent a little bit, it could back its way off. And I mean, we've seen too many loose tires this year, tires fall off for me to sit here and say that, all of a sudden, all these crew guys are not getting it tight. So to me, if I've hear if I hear these crew guys are saying, "Hey, you know, I think it's tight, but I'm not 100% sure it's tight, but I hit it the way I'm supposed to," and the tire falls off, you can't be suspending these guys four races when they're they don't know. Like, um, and I was listening to Ryan Flores today, and I'm sure you can attest to this. Um, so what he was explaining on stacking pennies is that back when you had five lug nuts, you could look at, you know, your camera on your helmet. You could look at, you know, computer. I don't know if it was computer data or like nitrous data or something like that. And you could see wherever it had load on it, that you definitely got the lug nut tight. And he's saying now with this, you can't even tell if it's tight. You're just hoping that it stays on essentially. And if these tire changers, who are the top-notch guys in this series don't know if the tire's tight, there's no way you can suspend them four races. That's why I think NASCAR has to do something to make sure that these guys can confirm the tire's tight. Then if you want to keep that four-race suspension in play, then I understand it because they should have known the tire was tight. But if they're telling you right now that they don't know the tire's tight, I can't sit here and say, you know, hey, a four-race suspension's reasonable now like i agree with you on the point aspect that if this happens you know there has to be some sort of repercussions because it is a highly dangerous safety issue so i do 100 percent agree with you on that but i think we need to figure out not we but nascar needs to figure out how to signify to these guys that this lug nut is tight that they can send the car out um and and from what I was listening to what he said on stack and pennies, Denny Hamlin's, you know, Jackman looked at the front changer, but he looked at him before he signaled to him that something was wrong and he was dropping the Jack. So he was still trying to verify it, 
but at the same time, you're losing precious seconds. And, you know, every millisecond in these pit stops now with nine second stops is, is precious. Um, when you come in the leader and you're trying to go out the leader due to, you know, people saying you can't pass, you know, it, it's a big deal, you know, and now it's a even bigger deal because they're missing some of their crew guys. And I think you're right that it's kind of wrong that the guy who didn't mess up essentially is now suspended and the guy who did mess up isn't. Um, so I hope they get that right. Well, it's even more, it's even more messed up. Cause I heard that NASCAR said like, once they recognize their mistake, they're kind of just like, well, you guys are doing this goofball pit stop thing and you know, whatever. So that's kind of messed up. But yeah. like, like, like my, my take on it is like, I agree. And I, I know that the, a lot of the changers are having the issue with this, but when it comes down to a safety issue like this much, it's, I think the penalty, you need to keep the penalty steep because you need to, you need to give it the team's incentive. Don't tell me why you can't tell me how you're going to be able to accomplish it. Tell me, tell me what we're going to do to fix it. Because if, if you don't make a steep penalty, they're just going to, they're not going to even worry about it. Right. If, if the penalty is not that steep, um, right. I agree. It's not fair, but it, it, for a safety issue like this, I'm okay with it not being fair until it's figured out. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, this, I mean, we've been fortunate enough that no one has gotten waylaid by a tire yet. And one came off of Daytona and we seen how fast that thing was moving. Mm -hmm. um, and with how close Austin Dillon almost hit that one this week, that was far too close. If he hits that, like I said, the angle that he was going to hit it, the speed he was at, it could have possibly went in the casino. Um, I did hear, though, that there was a delayed reaction on NASCAR's part to throw the caution while the tire was running on the track. I mean, that's just something that, you know, if that was the case, that that can't happen. If you see a tire rolling out on the track, it's got to be out right away. I mean, there's no, like, well, maybe it'll roll off the surface. And, I mean, the unfortunate part for Bowman and Bush were that they just made their pit stop. They just hit pit road. And they ended up going a lap down. But, I mean, you can't sit there and say, well, we'll wait till pit stop cycle and then throw it. Because, like we said. Yeah, not for that. Dylan not for that this. Thing. Yeah, if Dylan hits that thing or anybody hits that thing, who knows where it's going to. And, I mean, even still, at Dover, it's unique because that bridge is right there. And I've walked across that bridge while cars are in motion. You're, you're allowed to walk across that bridge with cars in motion. And if he yeah. hits that at the right angle, that thing is going to fly up and hit that it's bridge. Just, you just remember a few years ago, rock came up off the track yes, and destroyed the glass up there. So yeah. that's a little teeny tiny rock. We're, we're talking about a big, I don't know what there are now, 50, 60 pound tire. Yeah. That's gonna, that, that'll go through both panes of glass and continue on its way. And that's so. even, that's even if after it hits, you know, wherever it hits on the car. I mean, if he hits it at the wrong spot, that thing's coming through his freaking windshield. Yeah, we can't, we just can't have that. Yeah. So, um, Chase Elliott goes on to win, bringing our win total up to nine. Only still only two guys have won twice this year. Nine out of eleven. Nine. Okay, nine out of eleven races. Yeah. So we're we're getting closer. We still have a handful of guys who have not won who possibly could. You know, if you think if you really think about it, we really easily could be at eleven. Well, no, because Kyle would Kyle took that one, but um. We could be at 10 because Eric Jones was very, very close at Talladega. If he would have just held his line at the bottom, I mean, here, hindsight being what it is, I'm not saying he should have. I'm just saying, you know, if, if that would have been the result, it would have been Ross Chastain would have still only had one win and we would have had 10 guys. And then we'd be looking at this like, well, now we only got six to go. But we still have Truex, who's shown a lot of speed. Um, obviously, it was very fast on Sunday. Um, we have... Uh, Kevin Harvick, who's looking more racy, but the Fords are just garbage right now. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Fords, Ryan Blaney hasn't won. Joey Logano hasn't won. Uh, Brad Keselowski seems to have speed here and there. The Roush car showed up for the first time in a long time. Uh, well, not including qualifying at Daytona, uh, the duels at Daytona. <laughs> so yeah, there is there is good possibility we could be getting down to Daytona and and there be a shot. And you can't. Uh, you can't forget about Reddick, who's been extremely fast. Reddick could have been the one. Reddick could have not took that one that Kyle took. So and, we would have still been at the same number, but he could have taken that one. And we're going to the, you know, we're, we're going to be going to Charlotte here soon, where 
you know, Austin Dillon's won before. So, you know, you could say yeah. he could rack one out. RCR you know? is typically good for one, even if it's not win on speed, they're typically good for one win a year. Right. Some way, shape, or form. And Reddick is going to get him. He's going to get him one. Uh, he, I would count on him winning one this year just because he, he's been fast. And mm-hmm. it could be a place like Darlington where it kind of suits his style as long as he keeps it out of the wall. Um, you know, if we're back to riding the fence at Darlington, which right. we're going to cover in just a little bit. So, um, and you, you, I mean, you could say with the way track house has been running it, I mean, all it takes is for them to hit it on Suarez's car one yep. week and, you know, he sneaks with the win. And, you know, I, I would say based off of who you would assume would win the rest of the year, you know, there's the ones that were like, yeah, he's definitely going to win or he should get a win. Not saying that they will, but I mean, we probably wouldn't hit over 16, but with how fast these cars have been, and the parody that's been in them, if someone hits it right, you never know. I think if you get some guys that are kind of fringe guys right now, like Harvick, like Logano, like Blaney, like Jones, um, like Jones, if you get a couple of them guys to sneak some wins out here or there, um, we have a good shot to get to 16. I don't know if we get to 17, but I think we have a good shot to get to 16. Yeah. Um, and we're going to finish with another last lap wreck, even though this one wasn't for the win. Uh Chastain and Truex, so to me, I know there were some people saying Chastain raced dirty there. Uh, it looked to me like he kind of just came up, and Truex didn't didn't punish him for it. Uh, I don't I don't really see a problem with that. I think that Truex tried to be the nice guy and not wreck him and then wrecked himself. So what's your take? I think he tried to back off and jump to the bottom to try and get underneath him, kind of cross him over. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been saying when you try and do it that quickly that these cars tend to jump on you and to me that's exactly what it looked like i mean he could easily stayed out there and put chastain in the wall it probably would have wrecked both the races um and at such a quick time like that chastain's got two wins you know he's he's gonna be like hey you know and and i would say if it was a random thing it's kind of like oh wow that was kind of messed up you know he threw the block on him like that but if you watch this race, the whole race, these two were racing each other, the whole race. The, it was Truex right by Chastain, either in front of him or behind him. These two were racing the whole race. You're coming to the checkered flag. I'm not surprised he cleared himself up. And, you know, like I said, Truex could have put him in the wall. He didn't. He tried to turn underneath him, maybe race him to the line, and he just lost it. Um, obviously, he's going to be upset because if he didn't, he – you know, gets a nice, what, third or fourth place? Yeah, third. Um, and instead, he's back in the 20s. Um, so, so I think he only fell to 12th. I think there was only 12 cars on the lap. Uh, I thought so it was not as bad. He fell but... to 20th. I mean, there was a lot of cautions there at the end. So There I was. Um, but I heard he fell to 20th. But, I mean, even still, I guess that goes to your last lap wrecking because Ross Chastain changed his line. Nah. Uh, no no we're not no not this one i don't think because he didn't wreck truex he didn't truex 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 wrecked himself trying to stay off of him depends on who you're talking to i i I think truex wrecked himself by trying to stay off of him i i did too i think i think he was trying to turn underneath him and he i think he had the opportunity if he really wanted to just stay in the gas and punt ross he could have done it himself but you know you got to make that choice um i think truex made the wrong i would have just shipped him you know, it's like I had I had the run. I didn't deviate like we talked about before. And you know, again, I'm always only talking about the going for the win, so that wouldn't have applied in in my rules anyway. So it's still it's still to me it still applies because points are important. Important. That's finishing point, and that's finishing points. Yeah, but that one point wouldn't have mattered as much as a win. So and I get what you're saying that maybe he didn't change his line, but. I mean, he might be on Chastain's bumper, and instead of them both going to the bottom like Chastain's been doing, they both go to the top. Well, technically, you changed your line. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm saying it's a judgment call. We're, we're not getting into this 30-minute debate again <laughs> so, before we jump onto that. Uh, so I think that Dover so, – summing up, Dover Dover was a good race. Please, SM, I do not, do not take this race away. It is such a good race. It's it the monster – um, and it, you know, you already took one race from me. You already took one Pocono race from me, NASCAR. 
please keep this Dover. Do not get rid of it. I mean, come on. It's please. I'm begging. I also, also got to say congrats to Ricky Stenhouse because he had sure, a yeah. finish. He, he's looking like he could possibly be. Why? There's no way we were at 40 minutes. Yeah. Well, is. I guess we got to finish this up. So um, anyway, so we can continue on. Um, Josh Berry uh, come out, coming up late. Uh, Junior Motorsports showed out in Dover. Congratulations to Josh Berry for uh, winning at Dover. I don't know what it is about the dude winning at these hard racetracks, but. Told you, don't forget his name. It was about last he, year. He kind of, he kind of early this year, I was kind of worried about him because he was more just consistent than anything, but he wasn't super fast. So it was good to see him come out there and, and win a race. So, um, but Junior Motorsports as, as an organization kind of didn't show this, like Algar has been struggling. I feel like, I think that they've been three and four this year compared to Sam Aird and uh, Noah Gregson. So it was good to see those guys uh, show out the way that they did. Um so going to Darlington, Darlington to me, uh, I think it's a lot like Mar- Martinsville, old school, um, gritty racetrack, unique uh, because of the turns three and four being pinched, which used to be turns one and two, by the way, they flipped this, the uh, start finish line at one point, but uh, turns three and four are narrower because of the pond that's off of turn four uh, when they built it. The uh, landowner said, do not mess with my minnow pond, which is the pond's still there. So I think it gives a very unique feel. Uh, it's very wide, but the racing groove is not. So uh, it's kind of deceptively narrow. Now, the last couple of years, we've kind of seen the cars run in the bottom, which is unique, uh, especially when we were on the low horsepower package. We're used to riding up against the fence. So I hope that we're back to riding up against the fence with this car. Um, with these plastic bodies, you can kind of scrape it and it pop right back out, hopefully, as long as you don't damage the suspension. Um, but D- D- Darlington is always one of my favorite racetracks. You can tell by our logo um, that I took the shape for that, for my logo, because I really, really just, it's one of my favorite tracks. I think it's really cool. So uh, throwback weekend, get to see all the old school paint schemes, uh, get a little nostalgia factor. Uh, I think it's a very important weekend that we speaking, have. Speaking of that, did you see the Teresa Earnhardt incident? No. So did you see the track house cars? Yes. So because um, I guess maybe she listens to the Dale Jr. download, she saw the one car that track house has done and she too decided to contact them and tell them that if they do not change the font of the one car, that she was going to sue them of copyrights for DEI. So track house uh... took... You know how their logos, the three dashes with the circle and then yep. the little slice through the top. So yep. they took the little slice, put it through the top of the one. So it's a different font. <laughs> That's incredible. It's, well, it's insane. So, so, I, I think NASCAR's got to lose. I know we were, we've heard this on some other podcasts. NASCAR's got to loosen up with the door numbers for this to make it look nostalgic. Like run the six run car. Up, run the, six, where, <laughs> the six car looks it's awesome, but there's just a random blue circle where the six used to be. Yeah. It's like, well, what? Well, this is the very Roush thing to do. Why wouldn't you move the circle up? Well, I like, thought I, that's to me, like, this is just a very, very, very easy solution. Like, hey, this is the lesser of two evils. Move the blue up in line with the, the number. But yeah. I don't, you know, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Roush Fenway Racing. Roush, Roush Fenway Keselowski. I'm more into them now because of Keselowski, but uh, not a big Roush Fenway fan. fan. <clears throat> yeah. So, but I'm excited to see all these cars on track, even if it's with the numbers forward. I think that that's something we just need to address. Like the Xfinity race, I think is going to look more fun because the cars are going to look, have the more old school schemes with the numbers in the right spot. So um, really excited to see that. I think Stuart Haas has a lot of really cool concepts for the, the throwbacks this year. Uh, I really like what Trackhouse has done. Uh, so looking forward to that. Even the Roush cars, they look slick with the the Kenseth scheme and then the Martin scheme. Yeah. Um, Brad's Brad's got just a very hard scheme, you know. But we're not going to talk about that. That okay. It took you a minute. Um. So, well, who's your pick for Darlington? So, 
you know, I could come on here every week and pick the same driver and say Larson, Larson, Reddick, Larson, Larson, Reddick. Um, but I'm going to kind of go outside the box this week and I'm going to take Ricky Stenhouse. I think that's a good call. I think that's a good call. I, you know, it, if, if I took Cody Ware, I think you'd say, oh, that's a good pick. No. <laughs> you literally say that after everybody I say. There's never been one well, like, eh, Hey, this year, you ne- you just never know. We're, you know, we, we've had so many win- different winners. Um, I think Cody Ware's a good choice to be involved in some stuff, even if it's not totally his fault. <laughs> he took out uh, When he took out Denny Hamlin, I was very happy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, no, uh, let's see here. Um, the last time I picked Christopher Bell, he really let me down. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Truex. I think he's going to storm back and, uh, put, you know, I think he's kind of due. He's usually very good there. Um, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going to take that back. I'm going to go with Hamlin. After the week they just had, he's going to come back with a vengeance. He's very, very good at Darlington. I think he's a safe bet. You know, to be honest with you, I think we should write down the driver's names and start not picking we, the same one twice. Well, we need to, we need to start keeping score. Yeah, and I agree. We need to we need to keep a tally of this. We're gonna yeah. s- start here in a few weeks. Yeah, because literally we just keep picking the same drivers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I try. I, I try. I try to think different. I try to be different. <laughs> you know. So, what I mean? so, all right. To wrap this up, we got one more uh, race to talk about coming up, and that's going to be the Miami Grand Prix down uh, by Hard Rock Stadium. A uh, lot of questions about this place. Is it going to be a fun race? Is it not? Uh, I think that what they've done is the design looks fantastic. The the aesthetics of it look very, very cool. The fake marina around the, the one turn looks awesome. Do they think uh, they are in Monaco? It'll probably be a better race in Monaco, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, be. I'm excited to watch this race. Unfortunately, I think that there's going to be overlap with the cup race, which kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. But, there's going to be overlap. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think it'll be fun to see how it turns out. You know, a lot of questions around this one. So we'll, uh, we'll be able to come back next week and break it down. Jordan, any final thoughts? I have a guess it's probably going to be either Ferrari or Red Bull. That's probably a safe bet. (laughs) That's probably a safe bet. It's probably going to break it down even farther. Probably Verstappen or Leclerc. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think we can pick different F1 drivers in that one. Uh, no, that's hard. That's a, it's yeah. just, We just have to switch back and forth. Whoever gets first pick every week. Right. <laughs> I'm taking Verstappen this week. Okay, I guess I got Leclerc every week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll end it with this because it is this weekend. But uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are out there. Yep. Um, we won't be on until after Mother's Day. So I just wanted to put that out there to every mother that's out there. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and we're going to have to record – different time next week because uh my surgery is scheduled for next week oh, get myself fixed up oh they're gonna put a rubber band in there how nice yeah <laughs> all right guys we got less than a minute anyway so i'm gonna take it off here have a good weekend uh if you have any questions you can find us on facebook or instagram and now on youtube have a good one later <laughs>